0: Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, It's good to be with you again this week. I... uh, i am not sure how you're listening to this whether you're listening to it the second week of our recordings or if you're ba- if you're backing them up next to each other um, i'm again here with brother diebel um, we recorded last week uh, for the come follow me block um, and we didn't quite get through it but that we found a good ending place and uh, this week we're going to try to get through it uh, in an hour um, and uh, I just am super excited. In fact, before we hit record, I was telling Brother Diebel that uh, of, of all of the topics of the gospel, I feel like maybe this one is one that I've just studied the least. And not because I don't think it's interesting, but it's just Jesus comes back. Yeah. And like after the millennium and when his when his second coming is done, um, I just don't know that I feel a giant need to go study what's gonna happen when he's reigning. It'll all work, it'll be yeah. good. So I just haven't done that. So, Brother sure. D, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Yeah, um, I'm going to defer to you in most of our discussion today. There's a couple of little things that I want to touch on, but other than that, I just I want you to teach us. So, jump in. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Yeah, you had a grandbaby born this week.
1: I did. Yeah. I did, as a matter of fact, yeah. on Monday, and uh, so my wife, uh, you know. We we're supposed to be on Friday, yeah. and uh, so we're going to leave today, um, but she be lighting down on, on Monday and has been there with our other granddaughter. Down in Utah. Down in Utah, and there were some complications, but looks like as of last night, things are turning for the better, Good. so we're grateful for, for those blessings and answers to prayers, but uh, the baby should come home on Saturday. I'll head down just in a couple hours That's and awesome. be down there with everyone and looking forward to it. That's so awesome. Thanks. Well, yeah. congratulations. Appreciate so, it. Okay, that said, we're in. A minute and okay. 42 seconds, we're in. So, again, if, if you are just listening, we're kind of jumping ahead, so please go back and re-listen to last week's. That'll yeah. help put, put things into context. And uh, um, I appreciate your candor, by the way, because the reality is there's an, almost an infinite number of things that we can study sure. in the gospel, and yeah. we we just... And, and all, every one of us have areas where we're stronger than, than others, and so hopefully yeah. this will add to your strength and uh, and your understanding of these topics as as best as we understand them. And just to uh, maybe uh, kind of recalibrate our brains from last week, um, we were talking about the Battle of Armageddon is where we left off, and we're in Jerusalem, and and the the two prophets have been killed. They're they're lying dead in the street for three and a half days. They're a type of Christ. They're going to be raised up by by the Savior. But um, there's a period of that three and a half days where this army that have defeated these two and overrun Jerusalem are celebrating and giving gifts. But some really significant things happen in those three and a half days, which I think we would be remiss if we don't spend yeah. some time. And um, this is the beauty of uh, the, the account of the, of the second coming being told from different points of view, different prophets, and where uh, John is somewhat silent Zechariah fills in some, some yeah. really important details. So Great. I'm going to, I know we're saying the book of Revelation, i want to go back to the book of Zechariah. Okay. And in order to understand this chronologically, we have to read it a little bit out of sequence. Okay. So for a listener, we're going to be between Zechariah, we're going to start in chapter 14, we're going go to chapter 13, back to 14, back to 13. Okay. So in chapter 14, verse 2, here's what we read. Again, this is during that three-day period as best we can tell when those two are lying dead in the streets. It says, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. It's the battle of Armageddon okay. or also called the battle of Gog and Magog. Good. And the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Okay. So a couple things. First, unfortunately, all of the ugliness of war, yeah. of course, will be there. But it appears that half of the city, half of these Jewish people are going to be POWs, half will remain. Okay. okay. So if we go back up to chapter 13 and now read verse 8 and 9, here's what it says. And it shall come to pass in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts. And the way I read that, and I believe this is pr- most likely correct, two-thirds of the half that are remain, that, are, that were not taking POWs, okay. Two parts therein shall be cut off and die. So they'll unfortunately be killed. But the third part shall be left therein. Mm. And this is where things get really significant. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name Mm. and I will hear them and will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. Mm. What people are we talking about? This is the Jewish people who the Lord is identifying, they're going to know that I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. These people who have been waiting, anxiously looking forward to, planning, preparing for, this is like the climactic moment for this incredible people.
0: Now clarify for me, is this when we talked last last time about Christ's foot setting down on the the temple? This is right, exactly. This is that moment kind of right in there uh where he's coming to save them. So as this
1: third that are left, that the Lord says he's going to refine, if you go back to chapter 14, okay, It says, in verse 3, we'll start. Oh, yeah. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. In just a little bit, we're going to read more detail how he's going to take over. As when he fought in the day of battle. And then in verse 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove, half towards the north and half of it towards the south. So... As this people is fleeing for their lives, you know this is for safety, yeah. for salvation. For sal- think about that—they're fleeing for salvation. And where do they go?
0: Mm.
1: Well, they go through Gethsemane.
0: Yeah.
1: One of my students, Tyler Mickelson, mm. um, had this observation. I think it's really, really powerful. He said, "First, deliverance, salvation, always comes by coming unto Christ, mm-hmm. and coming unto Christ." almost always, if not always, requires a journey to Gethsemane,
0: yeah.
1: right? And personally or personally, literally. Personally, exactly. House, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's and, really great. And That's... then, if I can, yeah. so here's what yeah. happens. We've got to go back to, ch- this is the verse, chapter 13, verse 6. Okay. So, as he is descending to the Mount of Olives, and it is cleaving in twain, it says in verse 6, chapter 13, verse 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? And he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Mm. Right, this is the conversion moment for the Jewish people.
0: Yeah, and man, it ties right to what we talked about last week about the temple. Right? If the Jewish people are the ones that rebuild that temple, whether they are or not, right? What better way for Christ to teach He is the Christ? Then to show those wounds, and then to take them back into the temple and show them what they've been doing all these thousands of years, right? Wouldn't that so be
1: cool. Amazing, yeah, yeah. So cool. And and by the way, let's a little jealous, a little jealous. That yeah. would be kind of cool. Oh, right. But but oh my word! I mean, I I don't know that. I don't know that we can uh, possibly uh, emphasize enough what a transcendent moment this is, and think about the whole history and. And the looking forward to and the, and the diligence of these Jewish people. I mean, they yeah. have been um, for thousands of years, and this is the
0: moment. So, you're right. I love that. I, I think this is just beautiful. So, for those of you that are that are listening and can't see what I'm doing, I'm marking everything that Brother Diebel is teaching us <laughs> right now in in Zechariah. Where would I tie this back into Revelation? Is let's, this?
1: Let's go right do it right is now. It chapter yep.
0: 11, kind of where well, the prophets are. Or here's what at what,
1: their what I was. So, yeah, let's go back to chapter 11, and then I want to maybe jump ahead to, to 16. Okay. But, yeah, let's go right back to chapter 11. Sorry, I'm so turning where, myself. So, that's
0: where the prophets first arrive, right? Chapter 11, Zechariah speaks it's about That's exactly so right. I, uh, yeah,
1: right. And so, now in verse 11, okay. it says, in fact, well, let's read 11 through 13. And after three days and a half, okay. the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood Upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Okay. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, "Come up hither." And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud. And their enemies beheld them. Hmm. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. Hmm. And the earthquake, and in the earthquake were slain of men, seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to God in heaven. Hmm. So and, and by the way, yeah, of course a great fear fell upon them. Sure, yeah. right? They've been celebrating for three days, and now Christ has risen <laughs> these three up from the dead, and now he's gonna take over the decimating of this army. Yeah. And um by by the way, I, I in chapter nine, we, we read this last time, um in verse 15 and 18, it it says that, and I think the proper way to read that is through the collective effects of warfare, mm-hmm. plagues, natural disasters,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a third of all mankind will, will be killed. Yeah. And uh, we're about to kick off. In fact, it's, it's set, it spoke of the earthquake. If you go to chapter 16, and uh, let's just maybe read 18 and 20 for now. It says, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings. There was a great earthquake. Such was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. Mm. To the point where, in verse 20, it says, every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Mm. Did we read in... Uh, De- Doctor and Covenants one thirty three last time. Well, I
0: don't remember reading there. We did talk about the you know the Pangea concept, all mm-hmm. everything coming back together. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not remembering reading in one thirty three, but maybe we did. So verse twenty
1: two through t- through twenty four, and maybe okay. we'll just allude to that. It, it, it the, the islands coming back together as before they were divided. That this will this take millions of years? Probably not. Is it going to be like you know we don't know how long it'll take, but it will be quick enough to where apparently significant earthquake, significant sure. flooding. Um, you know, I'm not sure how useful this is, but whenever I, I share this with my students, I'll, I'll point to just the, the fact there was a movie. Um, what was it? It was in the, the Thailand flooding of, two, I think it was 2004, and there was a movie made... Oh, yeah. In 2012. Um, impossible, the impossible? The impossible. That's impossible. what it is. It's about, right? Yeah. When that happened, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I'm correct about this, the tectonics plate shifted about 18 inches. Sure. Right? So just that little bit yeah. caused that. So right. maybe when we are talking about the scale of continents, eventually come back together, yeah. the landmass is going Islands to... Islands
0: going away. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
1: Now, this might speak to me. I don't know. Maybe it's a weird visual, but in verse 21, and it's... This is Revelation sixteen. Yes, yeah, Revelation sixteen twenty one. It says, "And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, mm. and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great." Mm. Well, if, if you're thinking talent and you're thinking like little coins, that's not the no. right way to think of it. We're talking about a measurement of weight. And it, while it did change over the years, I think the most commonly accepted average at least would be about 75 pounds approximately. Ooh. So give you an idea of why they might blaspheme yeah. God because of these hell balls that are. Uh, mm. And if you've ever seen a significant size, even like a softball sized hell hill, they're not like. Like a yeah. snowball. No. These are jagged, sharp, right. gnarly-looking yeah. things. Right. Yeah. So. Rough. Um, really rough. And go ahead. Were you going to ask? Well, no. Say I,
0: I, I'm just thinking. You know, this sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want. It to is be called the right. Great
1: and Terrible Day of yeah, the Lord. No yeah. No kidding,
0: right? This sounds. This is nothing like his. His soft entry to the earth the first time, where he was born in a stable, away in a manger, yeah. where no crib for his bed and little town of Bethlehem. <laughs> right, I mean these little tiny out in the out in the sticks. And now we've got him coming in great wrath. It is this. Now last time we talked, we talked about Christ coming in three at three different times. Right, mm-hmm. first he would come to the prophet. Um, at at uh, maybe at the New Jerusalem kind of idea, yep. right? Second would be to the Jewish people to mm-hmm. save them, yep, right? To identify them. So is this that, that or this is, is that. this when everybody? This sees would be him? that. Okay. and then once
1: in the future he will come in the clouds. He will come in glory. Okay. Of that. Uh,
0: so so when when the earth. And I don't I don't know if this is the entire earth is having these kinds of earthquakes and these kinds of hailstorms and whatnot is the assumption there and maybe we don't know the answer to this is the assumption there that the whole earth is feeling this or this place of the earth where Christ is is reigning and ruling and having here's this the way I read this and the way
1: I interpret this so you can take this for what it is but if. The ent- if the continents are coming back together, yeah, and to feel that. Pangea, this is going to be <laughs> worldwide. Yeah. It, I would also say, and, and I have, uh, me and another student one time did a little bit of math. I can tell you off the top of my head right now, but long story short, again, to catch up to speed, this army is identified as being in the number of around 200 million. Right, yeah. They don't all fit. Yeah, in that valley sure. of of uh, Esdralon or the valley, of-
0: and that, if I'm remembering right, that army is the army against Israel. It's right? exactly so right. It could be all of the all of the countries of the world that are that are fighting that are, against Israel. This is the epicenter. Got it. And yeah, exactly. I so think the that- the valley of of death there really yeah. is is not necessarily going to hold 200 million army men. Yeah. Right. But that's kind of the whole army that's fighting against. Okay, that's so makes sense. So I think that's
1: the. Probably the safest and most accurate way to look at it, yeah. in my opinion. My, okay, so.
0: I, I was just in my head trying to think. Okay, how am I going to have my wife listen to this episode yeah. <laughs> and not be totally afraid? Right? <laughs> nah, maybe I can't. Maybe. not. Nah. But but we know that that many of the righteous will be saved, and the, yeah. you know, in following a prophet as much as possible will be protected. And Is that I right? Just, yes. Well, and, and let me just <laughs> I ask with fear yeah, in my eyes. <laughs> reiterate
1: that, and 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 listen. We know this just from. Hopefully because if you can fog a mirror, you already know this, yeah. that unfortunately when, you know, floods and and good people are also yeah. killed. But so we need not fear from the standpoint of our inter, sure. I, and that God is in charge. Yeah. And that we've talked about that um, that if we have a work to do, the God will preserve us to yeah. do that work. Yeah. But it's good. That being said, I think it's worth reiterating for those who are just listening to this one and not the one previously, that. These acts, these plagues, these natural disasters are still an act of Christ doing whatever he can yeah. to save people's hearts who are so hard. If they will listen to anything at all, mm-hmm. and some of them won't listen to at all, this is the last this ditch effort to be... save any who can be saved.
0: Well, maybe this is a good point to just throw my one little thing that I know in here yeah. or that has stood out to me. If we look at chapter 15, it's kind of a precursor. It's only eight verses long, and it's a precursor to chapter 16, which is uh, you know, Brother Diebel has shared the very last of the plague, right? Plague seven. Um, but but ultimately, the the seven plagues of the um, of, of this time are spelled out in chapter 16, right? Verses two through four, we get plagues one through three. Verses eight through 12, we get plagues four through six. So, it, as a precursor to that, we get. Um, we get chapter 15, and and just the heading of the chapter says, Exalted saints, praise God in celestial glory forever. So maybe in connection with our, our my wife's concern and my concern really yeah. about dying. Um, but, but I love this. Maybe I'll just read verse 1 and 2 and Please. then make a couple of connections. It says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. We talked last time about the the destroying angels being loosed on the earth, right? That back in the yep. late 1800s, the, uh, you know, being Wilford Woodruff describing that they have been released. In the right? roof, yep. and then in verse two, uh, chapter 15, it says, I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beasts and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So, so this maybe is a precursor that's talking about what's going to happen after, right? Yes. And and Revelation is, is John wrote kind of that way, kind of back and forth, forth. right? So, that concept of a sea of glass sparked something in me. And I remembered chapter four of the book of Revelation. If we go back to that book, that chapter, uh, verse six, chapter four, verse six says, Before the throne, this is the throne of God, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So as we're describing the throne of God, we understand that um, what the throne was sitting on is the sea of glass. Well, when we read in the Doctrine and Covenants, we learn, in section 77, we learn about the earth in its paradisiacal glory, in its celestialized state, being... A giant sea of glass where um, we can look into the earth and see past, present, and future. We can know all things um, as a great Urim and Thummim, right? And I think what's interesting to me, and, and then I want, I'll i stop talking and let you continue. What's interesting to me is as members of the church, I think so often we read that section of the Doctrine and Covenants and it's like, What? That's gonna be so and it's gonna be cool, but like that's such a unique doctrine. But but then it's twice yeah. in the book of Revelation. John point. pointed right to it, saying it's this is what it's gonna look like, this great sea of glass. Now, it doesn't necessarily describe what that's for in the in the book of Revelation, but But that John was seeing it, and that Joseph, through Revelation in the early 1800s, is receiving, that's what the sea of glass is for. It's how God knows all things past, present, and future. Because he can look into an earth and see all things, um, as opposed to having it all just tucked in his brain neatly. He just has his earth functioning in a way that allows him to know all things. That's pretty awesome. That is so awesome. So anyway, I, I just think that's kind of cool and, and maybe it takes a little bit of the sting of the deaths that will happen away to know that the righteous are gonna come back when Christ comes in glory a couple of days later or however long it's gonna be, right? That everybody who passes away in righteousness will come back with him, right? To reign during the millennium and to be on that's earth right. during the millennium. And so, so maybe I die because a 75 pound hailstone hits yeah. me in the head or I fall through a crack in the earth, right? But ultimately, that that I will still be present for these events is the case, right? That that as soon as Christ comes in glory to all man and everybody sees him, I will be there. And then the earth is made this, and we have this kind of experience where everything will be made right and whole and better, right? Yeah.
1: I love it, and I think you're dead on. Uh, In fact, this is a little bit of, I hope this is okay, maybe a little bit of a, a tangent, but you cause my mind to to go here, and you know it potentially maybe some are listening and, and thinking sea of glass and yeah. stones right. and and just just for those of you who don't know, I think you'll find this fascinating. But let's just go back to the brother of Jared, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> so you know, you're building these barges and you, you, they're tight like into a dish and you need to have light and so you come to the Lord and I need light and yep. the Lord says, well, what would you have me do? And, and he comes with the idea of stones. Yeah. So I just asked the listener, like, if you're the brother of Jared, how long would it take you to come up with the idea
0: for rocks? <laughs> hey, make these rocks shine for me, right? And and, that have, and the, the Savior was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Not like, hey, let, why don't I just invite, invent the LED bulb or something for you, right? <laughs> yeah. He just lets him invent whatever he can, right? Best so
1: idea. so if you are the brother of Jared, right? <laughs> and like what 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 like the Lord's giving me some time to think about this. What are you going to what's going to if you're if I'm him, what I might be thinking is something like this. Is there anyone else that has ever had a similar situation mm-hmm. to what I'm going through right now? Yeah. Let's see. And by the way, who might that have been? Yeah. Oh yeah, Noah. Right? So Let's just go back and read about Noah. Now, the, the Lord says that you can't have a window because it'll be dashed to pieces. Right. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 16, it says, And a window, this is building the ark, And a window thou shalt make to the ark. Wait a minute, stop. I thought you had no respect to the person. Why does he get a window and I don't get a window? I want the window, right? But there's a footnote for that word window. And this is critical. Listen to what It says, It says, and I might not pronounce this correctly, but you can read it on your own and pronounce it however you want. Mm-hmm. I think it's tosar, but either way, that word window should be translated to tosar. Mm-hmm. Some rabbis believe it was a precious stone that shone in the ark. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So, guys, let me just reiterate this. that we've, we've been told multiple times, if you want to talk to God, you pray. You want him to talk to you, you go to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Because someone's already had similar situations. They've already asked the question. The Lord has already given the answer. And now all he has to do is have mm-hmm. those answers pop off the page for you and I. Yeah. And that's just one vivid example of, first of all, the Lord using instruments. Yeah, We shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed about the Urim and Thummim. Yeah. That this is a Jewish tradition that, mm. that, that God has used instruments in the past. And, and by the way, if, if God can help us create things like you said, LED lights or computers or right. smartphones. Why not a rock? Yeah, he can do whatever he right.
0: wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think what you just said there, that, that going to the scriptures to find the Savior teaching you, God teaching you, right? Um, you know, that ultimately I referenced section 77 of the Doctrine and Covenants where it talks about the sea of glass, right? But here's why. The question was being posed, what is the sea of glass spoken of by John's fourth chapter and sixth verse of the book of Revelation? The, the question is, what do the scriptures mean? Help me understand the scriptures. Give me revelation to help me understand the scriptures. And then is the answer given, it's the earth and sanctified, immortal, and eternal state. Right, I mean, like it, it, it's 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 the exact same thing you were talking about, that if I want to speak to God, I pray, and if I want to learn from God, I read the scriptures and then pray again, yeah. and then seek from prophets and apostles what they've understood it Brilliant. to mean. Right, I, I think there's so much power in our understanding growing and developing as we study the scriptures. This is what I started off with today, right? Like, I just haven't studied this. It's not that there aren't answers. I just, it's just been like, Jesus will fix it, and I don't know, it'll be <laughs> a fine. But to know that I can come study it, that I can come find answers, man, I hope the listener listens and says, man, I should dive in. I should get in and do and it. learn, right? This is what President Elson said, pay the price yeah. to know how to receive revelation. Yeah, it's wonderful.
1: So, wonderful, okay. Okay, so... Now we talk about wonderful things, just a little more death and destruction. Okay, cool. Um, So, um, and and briefly I want to go to the the book of, uh, back to the book of Ezekiel in in 39, just because it puts some of this into place and also maybe presents a time frame. Uh, Last time we alluded to, Prepare to live a long, happy, productive, and successful life. Mm-hmm. And, and if it should happen to come sooner, excuse me, all the more reason to be prepared today. So we're going Ezekiel, uh, not Ezekiel, yeah, yeah, now Ezekiel, okay. 39. Okay. And uh, in, in verse 1 and 2, it says, therefore, keep in mind, by the way, that this army of Gog and Magog is about 200 million. Okay. Therefore thou son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, thus saith the Lord, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Mm. And I will turn thee back and leave, but the sixth part of thee. Mm -hmm. So only a sixth part of this 200 million are going to survive. The rest will be killed through plagues, Mm. natural disasters, and warfare. So you can do some math and figure out what a uh, sixth part, I think that's about 33 million, which will leave about 167 million mm-hmm. um, dead. Mm-hmm. Now now we have this great valley. It's about 60 miles north of Jerusalem, about 15 miles at its widest sure, breadth. Sure. Again, an epicenter, a lot of death, a lot of destruction. These people have been living off the spoils of war for this three and a half year period. Keep in mind that w- the battle is going to be for at least three and a half years. Hmm. In verse 9, it says, and this is Ezekiel writing, seeing in the future, all he has at his disposal is his language. He's trying to describe modern things. Mm -hmm. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both shields and bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the handstays and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Hmm. So it appears that this, if we were to read these numbers literally, the cleanup process is another seven years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well it could mean that these are symbolic, but but if we were to read it literally, we, that's at least ten and a half years just in
0: this war and the cleanup. Process. Okay. So clarify again. Yeah. So Jesus came to prophets. Mm-hmm. Then he comes to um, the Jews. Well,
1: and and the way I, I believe that is, he, he's going to come privately to the prophet. prophet right. Then
0: he'll come to New Jerusalem right. at Adam. And Adam. Right, right. Right. Then he'll come to the Jews. To the Jews, and then at some future point, right. Everyone will know. Yeah. So is your understanding that all these things will happen, all these years of cleanup, and maybe all this stuff will be going on before Christ shows himself to the entirety of the world?
1: Yes, this is part of. Wow. This is part of the cleanup process, and that'll become apparent as we go forward. Um, right after this this army after Christ has defeated this army battle so, so
0: it's interesting to me because we live in a world of such technological advancements right that that I just can't believe that Jews will know about Christ's coming have faith in him believe in him trust in him Christ will defeat this battle this this army and everybody won't see him everybody won't know of him but maybe that he hasn't come in glory to everyone yet is the the differentiator. I would think so. That we know sure. he's present on the earth and he's yeah. doing stuff probably will be known. I, I mean, I don't know how he would not know that. And again, I think it gets to the point it should not be yeah. as a thief in the night right.
1: to you and You'll I. be very well, aware. to anyone who's watching. Yeah. yeah, look what's going on over there. Yeah. He Christ somewhere over there. <laughs> exactly. Taking care yeah. of things. We are, no, we will not know the very hour, the very minute, or whatever it right. is, final. But again, yeah. he does not want us to be Surprise, he's given us these things. He wants us to study them and know them. Yeah. So, And by the way, my, my personal opinion is this. The more we know about this stuff, because you spoke about fear earlier? Yeah, sure. You know, there, there have been studies done. I, I probably should have, I hadn't planned on this, so I, yeah. I apologize for not citing anything. You can do your own research, and if I'm wrong, then <laughs> correct me, but that people who are uncertain about a diagnosis Experience more trauma more anxiety than when they receive a cancer diagnosis sure yeah. that the unknown is More traumatizing more anxiety producing than the known yeah, and what I believe and what I have found is the more we study this stuff The more you and I can live in peace because we're living in knowledge and instead of You know something happens in the world a natural disaster like we came through and everyone's thinking Oh, it's it's and we go into panic mode. Yeah, oh things are happening Well, this is one of the signs of the time sure, yeah. but all these other things have to be fulfilled, yeah. too. So sit back, yeah, that's prepared, well live peacefully. That's but. well
0: said. I, I appreciate that. I, you know, I, I think that concept of the undiagnosed being more fear, fearful, right, is something that we we can understand um, mortally, right? Yeah. And I think spiritually is the same. And that's why you study. That's why you find out. Because I think it soothes and... and is a balm to our spirits as we know. I hope so. Right, I, I think that's true. Say, so, so before you move on. Yeah, please. Uh, tie me from Ezekiel, again, I'm taking notes as we do this. Tie me from Ezekiel 39 to where I would put a cross-reference in in Revelation that kind of is kind of in line with when this happens. Is that an easy thing to do? Uh, s-
1: maybe, yeah. yeah, let's see. Yeah? So, so maybe I'll just paraphrase 10 through 14 and the reader can read these on their own. Okay. In, again, Ezekiel 39. Okay. Um, this is called, the, 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 this burying place, it's called the burying place of the multitude of Gog. Okay. And it's, it's, it references a couple times that it stops the noses of the passers-by because yeah. of the stench of the death. And, and in verse 14 it says there's going to be continual employment around the clock, people cleaning up. Hmm. In verse 17 through 19, and, and here would be a great cross-reference actually, back to Doctrine and Covenants 29. Okay it it speaks about the fowls of the air and the birds of the fields coming and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now feasting on mm-hmm. these great and, and noble people of the world and uh, it's called the the great uh the great feast
0: mm-hmm.
1: and section 29 when when you read about you know the maggots and the eye sockets and stuff sure. like that this is what we're talking about specifically yeah, that's 17
0: through 20 section
1: 29 yeah, yeah good so here's Maybe for in the time we have yeah. left, I think here's probably the best way to do this. At some future period, we do not know how long, Christ will make his final appearance in glory in the clouds. Mm-hmm. He will come dressed in red, mm-hmm. symbolic of two things. Um, some references, by the way, if this is helpful, maybe I'll, I'll give you um, the, the reader a, a few. First uh, Peter uh, chapter 3, 10 through 14 is, is a, a really Good one in terms of the, the earth burning, but but him being dressed in red, um, section um, 133 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 46, 48, 50 through 51, as well as Isaiah 63, 2 through 3. Mm-hmm. And from those scriptures, we get the symbolic meaning one, of course, symbolic of the blood that he shed for us. Mm-hmm. The other is symbolic of the blood of the wicked that he will shed
0: mm.
1: at this day, mm. that he will trample them under his feet, like, sure. right? Like the yeah. wine press. Yeah. And then, so Christ will then descend in glory, mm-hmm. and then we get to the order of the resurrection, okay. where those who are, who have already died, when he comes, but have lived a celestial type of life, the celestial dead, they will be caught up to meet him in the clouds. Okay. By the way, you can read about this, I would say, in, if you want to know the general order of resurrection that those who have died will, will go before those who are living, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 15 through 17, okay. and then that specific order, Doctrine and Covenants 88, 96 through 102.
0: And that's the, the, trumpets, the, the trumpets. The trumpets, exactly. The first the trumpet, trumpet first sounds trump, and this happens.
1: And... And so, and so after the celestial dead are caught up, the graves are open, they're caught up. Right. Those who are currently living on the earth, who have lived a celestial type of life, will then be caught up. Okay. That's what's referred to as the morning of the resurrection of the just. Mm-hmm.
0: First resurrection.
1: The first resurrection. We hear that at funerals, right? That's exactly right. And yeah. some people's patriarchal blessings may say, I bless you, you'll come forth. Well, that either means yeah. that you're living or it can mean that you've already died and yeah. come forth.
0: Right.
1: Now, there's another part of the first resurrection. It's called the afternoon of the resurrection of the okay. just. Were those who lived a terrestrial type of life who have already died? They'll be then caught up to meet him. Okay. And then those who lived a terrestrial type of life who are currently living, they'll be caught up. Okay. Okay. Those are the individuals who will be fit to inhabit this earth as it is renewed and receives its paradisiacal mm-hmm. glory, mm. adenic glory, terrestrial glory, millennial glory—all all synonymous.
0: Yeah.
1: And then this earth will be burned, and. Will be then into our millennial reign, which I think is probably where I would bring us back to Doctrine or to Book of Revelation. But were you going to ask or say? Or well, say something? I was
0: just going to share just a Please. thought that, yeah. and I don't know exactly where it is. I was trying to find it while you were talking. Um, there's a a section in the Doctrine and Covenants. I want to say it's 88, where it talks about the celestial beings are willing to abide by God's full law. Yep. Right. The terrestrial beings. Um, are those that accept the Savior, but not the fullness of the gospel, right? They Correct. accept Him as Christ, and then, the, and then the telestial beings being those that don't accept God, His law, or don't want to live with Him, don't accept the Savior as the Christ, and, and won't accept the, um, uh, the, the atonement in its fullness, but then terrestrial are also those that, sorry, telestial are those that will accept the Holy Ghost, right? Correct, so correct. so the, divinity, the, the divinity of the Godhead, the three beings, right? There is still some level of holiness and goodness, and that's why we call it degree of glory, right? But it's interesting to me that those first two resurrections, the, the morning of, the first, and then the afternoon, right? Where yep. we get those four different resurrections, living or, or passed away are those that are willing to live on earth, right? Because who's going to reign here? It will be Christ. And if you're willing to accept Christ as the leader, even if you don't accept him as your Savior and Master and the atonement of all the things that you need, that's a terrestrial-type life, right? That's exactly right. With Christ reigning. You accept him.
1: And by the way, a great resource for President Oaks' most current talk from General Conference, Kingdoms of Glory, mm-hmm. read it. But he also, he mentions that terrestrial glory is akin to what most people in the Christian world refer to as heaven.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: And it's better than earth. A lot, well, even
1: telestial glory, it says it surpasses our understanding. Maybe, I think, this, I hope, again, brings hope to anyone who's listening. Yeah. First of all, in section 76, it says, and so let me maybe step back. So, and this is is also just, Add an exclamation mark to what you were just teaching. So, terrestrial and celestial beings will live in this paradisiacal earth, this millennial state. Telestial and sons of perdition will live in spirit prison or a temporary hell Mm -hmm. for a thousand years where they will pay the price for their own sins. They will suffer even as Christ, which suffering caused himself, even God, right, to tremble and he might not drink the bitter cup. Mm when those in celestial glory or excuse me in spirit prison who have lived a celestial life have paid the price for the and paying the price for their sin does, does not redeem them they still have to accept mm-hmm. Jesus as the Christ yeah. but that's what's going to have to happen like they have to go through that refining process to yeah. get to where they yeah. can inherit that degree of glory. But when perfect. they do, yeah. they get to.
0: Yeah, perfect. And that's that's section 76. I, I appreciate that you said that. I thought it was 88, but it was 76. Yeah. I'm looking at verse 74. These are they who received not the testimony of Jesus in the flesh, but afterwards received it. But honorable men of the earth who are blinded by the craftiness of men, these are they who receive of his glory, but not of his fullness. That's right. I see him. I get it. Yeah. He's the Savior. But I don't want to do anything that he's asking me to do, or at least to some level, right? In
1: fact, in verse 79, it says, they are not valiant in their testimony. Yeah, right. Fact, they know, they're just, yeah.
0: Right, and then and then if we just skip over, now we're talking about those who are of a telestial nature, according to verse 81. By the time we get to verse 86, in descripti- the descriptive nature of those that are telestial, these are they who receive not of his fullness in the eternal world, but of the Holy Spirit through the ministration of the terrestrial, right? They're willing to accept the Spirit in their life, but not... Jesus, yeah, that's exactly. too much. I don't, I don't want to have that expectation or whatever it is. Um, I don't want to live up to that standard.
1: But they will inherit the, ma- the section eighty-eight, verse thirty-two. So this isn't just us talking. They will inherit the maximum amount of glory or joy that they're willing to receive. Yeah, that what they're willing so, to receive. Yeah. Now yeah. I just want
0: to
1: make sure that that our listener understands where they sit and and how glorious and gracious and merciful and generous God's plan is. First of all, speaking of celestial, in section 76 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 109, okay. but behold and lo, we saw the glory and the inhabitants of the telester world that they were as innumerable as the stars in the firmament or as the sands upon the seashore. Mm-hmm. So those in telester glory will be innumerable. Mm-hmm. But now read in verse 67, Hmm. speaking of those who are exalted in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. Hmm. Okay, this is exaltation. These are they who have come to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and to the church of Enoch and of the firstborn. Hmm. That those in exaltation will also be innumerable.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and and it's interesting because uh, I think when we think of earth, we think of the, eternal nature of God, right? That, that all of God's children come to earth and have a, an earth life experience. President Nelson uh, in 2001 spoke about um, Christ and how Christ being the atonement, suffering the atonement, was not just suffering that atonement for us on this earth, but was really suffering that eternally for all of God's children who live on any earth yeah. God's ever gonna create, right? Um, and I think that concept, that idea is massive and it makes, um, it makes the innumerable companies of celestial beings or telestial beings something that at least is a little more fathomable because, yeah. because I think, if we're just thinking Earth, as many as billions and billions are, it's numerable, right? But the innumerable idea really points to Christ's it, it, um, eternal atonement, God's eternal capacity to continue to have children and not just finite this earth, this time, right now. Well said, right yeah. that, that, that that atonement of God's son is applicable to all of his children, whether they come, according to President Nelson, to this earth or to other earths, other whatever earths. they are, right?
1: And if you want a good scripture reference for that listener is uh, section 76, verse 24 and verse 42. Great. So that they Great. can can we can we go back to Revelation nineteen yeah, and then twenty, 20. 20. and uh, this probably be well we we'll have a little more time. Um, okay, so speaking of when Christ makes this final appearance, I want to in verse, uh, sorry not verse in Revelation chapter nineteen, we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right, right? this is the story in Matthew the the, the virgins. Yep. And uh, I'll ask my students this sometimes. It's like okay, so. What's the big deal about missing this wedding? Like if you, in the springtime, for example, there's weddings every single week. I get more, you know, so what's the big deal if you miss this wedding? Well, here's why it's a big deal. Um, and maybe this is self-evident to everyone, but in verse 7 it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Mm -hmm. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true saints. Why is it so important that you're there for that marriage? Because it's your marriage. Mm -hmm. This is your sealing to Christ. Mm -hmm. And there isn't just another marriage next weekend. This is the one. And so this is why it is so important that we live our lives in such a way that whenever... Our quote unquote second coming, whether through natural course of death, whether Christ comes, that we are ready to meet him today. There is a great, it is cheesy, but it is one of my all time favorite church videos. It's a seminary video on the second coming. And the setting is this. There's a businessman who's he's got his camera and he's taking pictures outside this beautiful estate. And he's taking pictures of flowers and this gardener. Comes up to him and, and he notices he's taking his pictures and he invites him in and he shows him around the grounds and and uh, then they go up on this overlook and and uh, this this businessman this traveler asks this gardener he says uh, he says man you take care of this all by yourself man this is amazing and and he says you 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 take care of this like you would think that he was coming tomorrow <laughs> and the old man says no today sir. Today, right, <laughs> and it's like that's the way is yeah. I want to live my life in such a way that
0: I'm ready to go whenever today. Yeah, And today. So I really love that. I I, um, I think I th- when I think of the marriage, I, obviously the the virgins prepared with oil or not oil, right? Um, but but since I've taught the Book of Hosea, oh, holy cow! I think of that like like I I think when we think that Jesus is gonna come today, it scares us, right? I'm not ready, I'm not, and and, and I am. I mean, like, yeah. I'd, I'd be okay. I know Jesus you're would ready. give me a hug. you yeah. would be like, yeah, you're kind of a train wreck, but we got yeah. you, right? <laughs> I think that would be the case, and I think for most of us that would be the case. But the book of Hosea, to me, really is... <laughs> How that marriage looks, like like that that I'm constantly cheating on Jesus, yeah. but He's so willing to be like, it's okay, come back. I just want you back, come back, right? That that whole book, that whole story of the harlot that is just cheating on her husband over and over and over again. I, I think if I can look at my marriage to the Savior like that and recognize that I'm kind of that person. Yeah. Then, then I'm okay, and because I know who he is, and that book gives me so much more comfort that he will take me back, even if I have gone astray, which I do every day, right? Yeah, that, that's, absolutely. that's part of my, my the fall. It's part of my conditions of the fall is I go astray, and and then I repent joyfully and come back the next day, right? It's And this is why President Nelson has encouraged us over and over the scriptures. Uh, because they preach nothing
1: but repent. repent. and as often as you <laughs> repent, I will forgive. right. But I think it also shows the, the nature that, that that he is always the loyal faithful mm-hmm. husband and mm-hmm. yes we do go after other lovers but it is an illustration of he says i don't want you to call me master i want you to call me husband i want you to be obedient because of love
0: right fidelity yeah. trust yeah. Yeah. and and to look at what a husband does right the 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 concept of protecting and presiding and providing that's jesus that is jesus right he was the creator of the space that i live in yeah. right it's all the things that that husband should be I should look at him like that, right?
1: Maybe this is.
0: I, I want to.
1: I, I, I've been. I've become very, very convinced and, and passionate. I guess about teaching something. In Revelation twenty, okay. this is when we get to the point where Satan is bound during this thousand-year period. So Christ has come back now. Christ has come. Everybody knows he's there. Yeah. Got it. And now we're basically, we're fast forwarding towards the end of the millennium, but but during the millennium, it says, verse two, so Revelation 20, verse two, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Now, we know from other scripture, he is bound because of the righteousness of the saints. Right. I just want to stop right here and testify that we don't have to wait to the millennium to bind him. Yeah that we should be binding him today,
0: yeah.
1: right now. And that maybe you can identify areas in your life where he is bound, that he doesn't have any influence, that things that were once a, a temptation are now abhorrent to yeah. you. Yeah. And the more that we do that, right, the less we can. We have control over how much of an impact he has on our life, and we do not fear him. Yeah. But. Back to, uh, were you going to say something? Or- well, I'm
0: just going to add that the scripture yeah. that we get, that that concept that we're going to bind him, right? That, that it's not it's not Jesus going to tie him up with some rope and yeah. stick him in a corner because Jesus is stronger, yeah. right? It's, it's literally this. This is First Nephi 22, 26. Because of the righteousness of the, his people, Satan has no power. Therefore, he cannot be loosed for the space of many years. For he hath no power over the hearts of the people they dwell in righteousness and the Holy One of Israel reigneth. That, that idea that he he may be running around like, hey, look at me, look at me, everybody, follow me, right? But for a thousand years, nobody listens to him, right? <laughs> it like, yeah. and, and I don't know <laughs> if it's a, a literal tie him up and set him aside, but bound because he just can't do anything. Yeah. Like, he may be walking around right next to us trying for a thousand years. And we know at the end of that that some people are going to succumb to that, right? But 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 it really is something you and I can achieve now. That's exactly right. You know, obviously with the help of the atonement as we fail. But but over the course of a lifetime, I think we can get to the point where, because of our righteousness, we bind this, the adversary in our life. Yeah. And that's the expectation. There's no so, power.
1: Friends, go do it.
0: Yeah, love it.
1: So um, in verse 3, it says that... Uh, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season.
0: Okay, so maybe he won't be running around. He'll be down in this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and I don't, we'll see. I'm, I'm yeah. in my head, quite frankly. There, there is a model that I believe it was Joseph Fillin Smith who. Speculated that we could use to maybe determine what that there's there's hundreds of years of fluctuation. Mm-hmm. It may not be worth. I might throw it out there just for people to consider. Sure. Um, verse five and the rest of the dead that lived not until a thousand years were finished. This is the so this is therefore so after the end of that thousand years those mm-hmm. s- will be resurrected that were in spirit prison. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go down to verse seven and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed verse 8, and shall go out to deceive nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, so there's going to be a second Gog and Magog, Mm -hmm. a spiritual battle here, Mm -hmm. to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. Mm -hmm. Now, in verse 9 and 10, he's going to be defeated, he'll be bound, and he will never torment men ever again. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know, you know, why is he loosed? How does that happen? My my suspicion goes something like this. In fact, Blake Archibald and I were talking about this one time, and we had the same thoughts. And so, if he's listening, I give him a shout
0: out. Yeah, just so you know, Blake yeah. was a sem- an institute teacher here in Boise, and then he's working now for the missionary department. I think. Yeah, in, he was a mission president in Chile, and yeah. now he works. So he Great helps,
1: guy. He's a support for mission presidents. Yeah, yeah. smart, really smart guy. Really yeah. knowledgeable. And uh, I think the Book of Mormon, in so many ways, gives us a type of what to look forward to in the Second yeah. Coming, and one of them might be. You know, after Christ came and they had those hundreds of years of peace, what eventually started happening? Well, slowly but surely, things basically started to disintegrate, fall apart as, yeah. as time went. And, and I wonder so, if that's... for the Nephites, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and my, I just wondered, or maybe my suspicion is that's probably what happened, is things unfortunately start to spiritually degenerate. Mm-hmm. And through this, the natural process of the way uh, people can be. Mm. Uh, but, but at the end of that, he will de- be defeated he will be bound forever in outer darkness. This earth, section 88, will be renewed again, fit to be inhabited by celestial beings,
0: and uh, and he will wipe away all tears. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, there's there's a little bit in there that the little season that he will be released, right? What does that look like, how long, is it like three days? Is it like 100 years, you know, that that idea. And when we read this, this section, this chapter, it's chapter 20, Talks about he's going to gather, you know, those that are that are that want to follow him. That period of time seems like it's going to take some time to get those people all kind of working together right. after the millennial state that they've been in. But how how long we don't know. That um, short season
1: is, is it worth even talking about? I, I have a model in my head. Is it, is it worth doing? Yeah, yeah. Give us give us just a okay. A, a massive small. grain of salt, like okay. uh, pounds, hundreds. Right. So, okay, <laughs> so here's the way, and you can kind of draw this out. We know approximately that Adam and Eve came out of the garden roughly 4,000 B.C. Right. Okay, so we have a 4,000-year period from, Christ, from Adam and Eve coming out of the garden to when Christ is born. Okay. Christ is born in what we refer to as the meridian of time. Middle. Okay. Now, Joseph Fielding Smith said, let's just say he were to come, and again, I should say I believe it was him. It may not have been, but let's just, I'll, I'll take the credit for it. If it's yeah. wrong, Rob Diebel take brother the credit. Fault. Yeah, Brother Diebel's fault. Somebody said take, it though. take the hit. So... <laughs> if hypothetically he were to come in the year 2000, which of course he has not. Okay. Well, that's 2000 years. We know that the millennium is another thousand years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in order for him to have come in the middle or the meridian, that thousand year, that would have to be another thousand years for that short series. But every year we go past the year 2000. And by the way, there's some room for, uh, i would say there's some flexibility in that 4000 years sure. prior to christ sure. so yeah. that's just to say okay here's something to consider yeah.
0: we're, we're maybe not in the in the middle waiting for christ yeah. now in the at, the, at the, the middle of the second half of the and it,
1: every so. year we go past the year 2000 if this model is at all of utility sure. it takes away from that 1000 yeah. year period as well so yeah. Good. again
0: well, good. This is great. I I love studying this whole concept. I think is uh, is important. We're close to we're close to the end. We really didn't cover much of the millennial state. Is there anything in there you want to touch? Um, maybe a couple things. Okay. Um, you know, I I think first of all in uh,
1: Isaiah chapter sixty five. Hmm. Uh, let me let me just read this. I was going to quote it, but I, I just know if I do, I'll I'll get it a little bit wrong. I think it's verse seventeen. I'm um, speaking of the millennium. It says for I will create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Mm -hmm. So, so great. Well, we're not even talking about one of the degrees of glory yet. And it says it's so Mm -hmm. great that this period will not even come to mind. I don't know that that means Mm -hmm. that we don't have the capacity to remember. Mm -hmm. It may simply mean that what we're doing is just so much better, so much that It's like one of those days we've had in our life that are just so mundane, we forgot they even happened. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. It gives us, I think, an idea of what to expect. Mm. Um, we do know that the two great works that are going on in the millennium are missionary work and temple work. Mm. Elder McConkie said that missionary work will increase exponentially because of the righteousness of the people that are living there. Mm. That terrestrial people are going to be more inclined to hear and accept the gospel, and yeah, so yeah,
0: that's really great. Yeah, there, there's a verse in Revelation 21 that I that I really like. Um, and I've made some kind of thoughts and put some thoughts around this that, that maybe are it's just something to consider. Um, in verse 23, it says, in the city had no need of the sun. This is where the Savior lives. Sun being S-U-N, yeah. sun. Um, Neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb is the light thereof. So there was no need for lights or the moon or sun, mm-hmm. or, right? And, and I, I got to thinking and every time I attend the temple and and I, or I read through Genesis um, chapter one. I mean, we're we're at the beginning of the book, right? The beginning of the Bible. Have, have you ever noticed that there's this delineation between light and dark, and then the creation of the sun and the moon? Separate. They're different. There was a, a division of light and dark, right? So let me let me just turn to it real quick. Thanks. Genesis one. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> The earth was without form, this is verse two, void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. and The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. So there's a division of light but then there's the creation of the sun and the firmament and the delineation between day and night happens as a separate point. So to me, and, and maybe this is me making something up, but but to me, if I think in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then He had a meeting, and there was a there was a appointed meeting where we found light and we found darkness, and darkness was cast down to the earth, and the earth was dark, and light existed, and there was a division between light and dark, and Satan and his third were on earth, and it was dark, and Christ and His light. Was in heaven and it was light, and then we'll create the sun and the moon. Right? I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not it. Maybe there was some other delineation between light and dark. But but I just love that verse in Revelation because the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb was the light. Right? That is really really cool. Isn't that interesting? That is just, so yeah. I just thought that was kind of a cool. But again, it's me making stuff up. Maybe, but but there's something there. There's something about Christ's light we learn in the Doctrine and Covenants about. You know, the power of the sun, S U N yeah. is the Sun, S-O-N, right? It's the, the light by which all things are given power.
1: And uh, I think there's a lot of wisdom and utility in what you just said, but but I do I think there's also a great principle in, in what you just illustrated. And listeners, Joseph Smith's prayer to the Lord started with an incorrect assumption.
0: Hmm.
1: But it was worthy. Right? His assumption was one of these churches has to be right. Hmm. But because of that and that pondering and that speaking with God, he got further light knowledge. Yeah, light. Right. And and so first of all, I just think you've you've modeled beautifully. Mm-hmm the way revelation works is you're paying a price you're pondering you're thinking you're you're being intentional sure. and and i think that's why you get insights like you you just shared with us i think are profound
0: well maybe may, and, yeah. and maybe it's maybe it was something i was taught to just be thinking about something yeah. in a different way right maybe it's not actually what happened but but i do think that sometimes revelation comes that way too right that that isn't necessarily this is exactly how it went but I want you to broaden your thinking a little bit. That's exactly to, right. I want you to just open up a little uh, and think this through a little differently and, and that leads you to different places as well.
1: Hallelujah, right. and you know, I had a student last night in class, he, he, he had heard something, a statement that Joseph Smith had made that, that wasn't correct, it wasn't accurate, right. and, yeah, and, but I thought, and we took some time, like hallelujah, because, because he was brave enough, willing enough, and the best form of thinking is always talking, mm-hmm. talking it out. He got further light knowledge. He got answers. He got sure. further insights, sure. even though his path
0: was the wrong path. Yes, exactly. So it was the right. fastest way to turn around and get him the other direction. Hallelujah! Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I really love that. Well, brother Diebel, this is great. I know you've got to go teach another class. Um, is there anything else here that you just want to end with? Anything that uh, that that you would want to make can, sure we don't skip? Can I just maybe at?
1: a prophetic statement or two? Sure. Um, and. You know, We've been talking about the second coming and that. And this first one is from Dallin H. Oaks. He says, what if the day of his coming were tomorrow? Mm. If we knew that he, we would meet the Lord tomorrow through our premature death or through his unexpected coming, what would we do today? What confessions would we make? What practices would we discontinue? What accounts would we settle? What forgivenesses would we extend? Mm. What testimonies mm. would we bear? If we would do those things then, why not now? Why not seek peace while peace can be obtained? Mm. If our lamps of preparation are drawn down, Let us start immediately to replenish them." By the way, I do have a thought I want to interject if I can. When our time and mortality is complete, this is from President Uchtdorf, when our time and mortality is complete, what experiences will we be able to share about our contribution to this significant period in our lives and to the furthering of the Lord's work? Will we be able to say that we rolled up our sleeves and labored with all our heart, mind, and strength? Hmm. Or will we have to admit that our role was mostly that of an observer? Hmm. You know, there are other scriptures we didn't get to, both in the New Testament and the Book of Mormon, that that indicate that at some point when Christ comes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Mm -hmm. And I I think that the important distinction there is some will bow and some will confess because it's no longer possible to deny or no longer possible to stand. They'll be compelled. And some of us, hopefully most of us, all of us listening, will all along the way, daily, nightly, morning, We've been humbly and meekly, willingly, bowing the knee and confessing with our tongue that Jesus mm. is the Christ, mm. that God is our Father. We've been trying to live our lives in a way that would, in some way, emulate Him, that we've taken upon Him our name. And I just testify that if that's what we are doing, we need not fear, mm. and all things will work together for our good. Right. So that's what I would leave with.
0: I love it. I love it. Maybe I'll just close with a script, two scriptures out of here to tie it to you. It says in verse 14 of chapter 22, the very last section, uh, chapter of Revelation, it says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that's the doer, be a doer, right? That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the holy city. And then 16, one verse later, it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I think our, our Father in heaven, while for sure he sent angels, uh, Moroni and you know yeah. Elijah and all those angels. I wonder sometimes if he looks at you as a teacher in the gospel and he thinks I've sent an angel to that that young man in your Book of Mormon class last yeah. night to teach about Joseph a little clearer, that we might have right to the tree of life, that we might have connection to it, um, and and an op- opportunity for it. I think is really the Savior's ultimate goal I love it Brother Diebel thank you for being here you with us you as well my friend I always love yeah. you're S- great so fun just just in, in closing next week is going to be cool we've got um, Brother Neil Knight Brother Neil Knight has retired from the institute but we do have two episodes already recorded from him awesome um, where we're going to cover the apostasy yeah. uh, between the end of the no elect. one better no no between yeah. the New Testament and, the, and uh, the restoration and then we'll be into the Book of Mormon next spring so Brother Diebel, thank you. We will have you back on and we will be in the Book of Mormon next time. All right, my friend. Good. Okay. Good. Talk to you Thanks, soon. buddy. See you bye.